We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our Range of Outcomes series continues. In this episode, we're looking at surprisingly high ceilings and concerningly low floors for some of the top wide receivers and best ball ADP. What's up, Rotobiz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined as always by Dave Cabin. Two of the guys here at rotoviz.com. Dave, I'm broadcasting live from my kitchen uh, tonight. Moved the studio over a couple rooms. Uh, I, I've been carrying things next door to my sister in law's house for the big summer garage sale. All oh, evening. okay, nice. So, so it was it was the honeydew list that did not end. I'm carrying old sofas. I'm carrying TVs that should have been donated or trashed long ago. Yep. It's that I don't know of any husband who loves garage sale weekend. Um, so that that is my reality. I am thankfully being saved by the opportunity to talk about some uh, wide receivers <laughs> and um, potential targets um, identified by our range of outcomes tool. Uh, with you how you doing today man i'm doing good um feeling very happy about uh where this tool has gone this year after some of the updates that i made some things i've been wanting to do for a while we got air yards into it this year yards after the catch some new things factoring <laughs> in uh and on top of that now i am reaching the point in uh the life cycle of a year for me, if you will, where I have a good two months that I can really dedicate to fantasy football and working on stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up about that. It's a rare yeah, stretch, a, Curtis. It's rare. That's, yeah. I, I feel you, man. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I, I love what has happened with the tool too. And I think this exercise is kind of laying out, you know, high ceilings in particular, just, it really feels like this is best ball. This is, you know, if you look at the the barbell of the best ball calendar and when we're trying to draft, you know, still kind of on the front end of that, that bell before the lull and uh, laying this out against underdog ADP, looking for opportunities for you know targets or, you know, maybe uh, affirming some early targets or identifying some surprising fades uh, or adjusting just our views on players. This is a great exercise. Do you want to remind the listeners before we get into some of today's targets that we do have a great 
special uh, with Underdog Fantasy. If you use promo code ROTOVIZ at underdogfantasy.com to make your first deposit, we'll match it up to 100 bucks. That's right. You put 100 bucks in your new underdogfantasy.com account, we will give you another 100. And it works the other direction too. At rotoviz.com, you want to try out our site and you're already on Underdog Fantasy, for example. Go to rotoviz.com, use promo code UNDERDOG, and you'll get 50% off a one-month sub while you try out all the tools like our Range of Outcomes app. Yeah, I was really slow on the draw there. I didn't have the sound effect <laughs> up, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> we doubled it up, man. I we doubled so. it up. Yep. So, so um, in... in uh, the episode earlier this week, Dave, when we were talking about running backs, you know, I kind of just highlighted some, some, you know, players that I, I thought, you know, were pretty interesting um, at the top and, you know, maybe through even the, the mid RB one, RB two tiers, you know, there's really no surprises at the, in the top seven of this. Wide. Maybe, maybe we could say that the ordering of some of these top uh, seven wide receivers uh, is, is, I don't know, slightly surprising, but the actual names are not. So I'm going to run down those. And I, I want to spend our time more so talking about some of the low end wide receiver ones from, uh, you know, a 75th percentile outcome perspective, and then a couple low, lower than expected ceiling guys. And then maybe a couple of surprising high floor guys. These are all players that, you know, are, are abundantly available and like you know, the top 50 ish of underdog ADP is about as low as we'll go. Um, so as you're you know, doing those wide receiver heavy builds, as so many of our listeners are doing, a chance to maybe reset uh, how you view some of these players. So the top seven, Dave, after your awesome update to the app, I mean, Cooper Cup has the highest ceiling, uh, slating in just above Justin Jefferson and, and Devontae Adams. All three of those players slotting in with a high-end projection of over 23 PPR per game, followed closely by Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, uh, both over 22 points per game. Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb, both over 21 points a game. Now, after that's where it gets a little interesting. Do you want to add any color to those top seven, or you just want to go ahead and get into this trio? No, we can we can press forward. Okay. So this next trio, I, I mean, I, I guess two of them I could see, you know, being ceiling case guys. One of them is more of a floor case guy. So it's kind of exciting to see him show up here as a ceiling. So I really want to see what's going into the model here from your perspective and just listen with an open mind. So Chris Godwin actually coming in with the eighth highest ceiling, 20.9 PPR. And then he's followed closely by Mike Williams and T Higgins. T Higgins, obviously is a, a big time road of his favorite, you know, Sean uh, and, and Blair in particular really on him. Uh, seemingly every year, but you know, amongst these three guys, Dave, do any of them stand out? And you know, maybe you want to break down what's driving that the high end projections for those three because they're both, you know, all three are really showing up just a tiny bit earlier than I would have expected. Yeah, well, I, I knew that we would be talking about Godwin, especially in light of the fact that I think it might have been, you know, sometime last month we talked about Evans and Godwin and uh, in a pretty disdainful way if you will. Uh, but there's a couple of things to keep in mind as you start thinking about Chris Godwin. Uh, in 2022, he did put up 15 and a half PPR per game on 10 targets, had about 70 yards a game and 0.2 touchdowns. That's a pretty good stat line. And when you get to the level of 10 targets, 
inherently you're going to start pulling in some very nice comps. So as a result of that, you have a number of seasons from players like Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry getting in there, some Michael Thomas, some Golden Tate. This is just a good cohort of players. So from a distribution perspective, Curtis, it's actually really encouraging for Godwin in terms of getting comfortable with what you're going to get in the given year. I would say just eyeballing it about 70% of his distribution is sandwiched between 13 and 20 PPR. Uh, just a couple players falling below the 10 point per game mark. And then he also has a couple of matches and we'll see what we think about this year. He has a couple of matches that scored a lot of points. So you got Cooper cup who put up, uh, in his year and one that's getting pulled in, put up almost 26 points in 2021. Then you had Michael Thomas with a 23.4 season that came mm -hmm. uh, in 2019. And then if you look through like the top 10 matches um, from a scoring perspective in the year and plus one, it's not surprising when you have guys like Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that... Um, Sure, there is some context that might be lost here um, yeah. on the changes that are occurring. Uh, but from just what Godwin has been able to do up to this point, um, you know, you can't really ignore that it's been solid and it would project forward for a lot of these players as being pretty solid. I'm still not sure, though, that I'm inclined to let this really sway my opinion pull him back up into that like fringe wide receiver one spot for me just because of the external factors that we know about. Yeah. So a couple comments there, you know, most of the guys that you rattled off save, you know, potentially Deandre Hopkins all played with, you know, e either plus quarterbacks or quarterbacks they had long relationships with. So if you want to argue that maybe Matt Ryan wasn't a plus quarterback or something, I mean, you know, he played his whole, you know, Julio yeah. played his whole career with them, right? Yep. So, um, and, you know, the Cooper Cup season, the Michael Thomas season, we're talking about, you know, I think, um, you know, in particular, Cooper Cup, just a cut above from a talent perspective versus Godwin. But, you know, Stafford and Breeze, I think, are, are clearly above, you know, what Godwin's going to have in either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask this year. Um, yeah. But I, I do think, you know, just thinking about, you know, even if you risk rate for how bad, you know, Baker or Trask will probably be, all of these other names, it, it, it at least does paint a picture of, you know, maybe the opportunity that's ahead. Um, even if you want to, you know, suggest maybe the quarterback would hold some of it down. So on underdog right now, and it has been a couple of weeks since we checked in on the situation, Godwin's going wide receiver 29 um, in the sixth round. Um so, or uh, in the fifth round, excuse me, the the late fifth round wide receiver 29. So when you see a wide receiver nine ceiling, you know, I think we're going to bring Godwin back up toward the end of the episode Yep. from a high floor perspective. So maybe, maybe we can just hold our comments until we look at his floor as well. But, you know, we just got to remember wide receiver 29 and then, you know, we'll, you know, we'll have, we'll have to see where we land. Let's talk about a couple of those other two high ceiling guys who are coming in as, uh, low-end wide receiver ones. T. Higgins kind of be, being drafted that way. Yep. So uh, maybe we'll spend a little bit 
less time on him. He's coming in at wide receiver 14 from an ADP perspective, wide receiver 11 from a ceiling perspective. So I think that's fair. Uh, But we see Mike Williams at wide receiver 10 from a ceiling perspective, uh, whereas he's a wide receiver 23 by ADP right now. So let's break him down a little bit. Yeah, so Williams is a really interesting case uh, in terms of the overall distribution that you have. He has 13 players that land in a bucket around 15 points, but then he has an equal separation spanning practically from three points per game up to about 25 points per game on either side of that. So he has a very wide range of outcomes, but there's a couple of things that do help him. Uh, One is getting matched with players that tended to put up a lot of air yards and also players that had high scoring potential in the uh, coming from touchdowns. As a result of that, if you look at the matches in your N plus one, you see a good number of players, Curtis, actually just about half of his players went for more or for half or more uh, a touchdown per game. So that's really what's driving things up here uh, and why you get such a, a nice uh, 75th percentile projection for him. Uh, you could just have a lot of guys that were almost scoring a touchdown per game. Uh, so that's really what's contributing to it. Now, the interesting piece here is that on the other side of the spectrum for him, um, you have some guys that just weren't able to repeat things in the subsequent year, which is what's going to tend to happen when you're getting matched with some players that were high touchdown scorers. Um, The final thing to note here is if you look back at Mike Williams in 2022, he only had a touchdown rate of 0.3 per game, but you got to remember his 2021 season was pretty good as well, which is also to some extent informing the uh, exercise that the tool goes through. You may be on mute. I I was on mute. Good catch, Dave. Um, So if you look at the low end for Williams, though, you know, so we're saying his high ends wide receiver 10, his ADP's wide receiver 23, his low end projection is wide receiver 25. So, I mean, you know, again, our, this, this tool only knows so much. Um, it doesn't know that Quentin Johnson's joined the roster, but you know, new offensive coordinator, uh, rookie, um, with a, maybe a questionable route tree coming in, although, um, you know, does figure to, to be a good match for either, uh, yak or deep routes on the perimeter. So I think, you know, if he does cut into work and we've talked about this a little bit, if he does cut it into work, it's probably cutting into Mike Williams work, not cutting into Keenan Allen's work. But if Mike Williams is just healthy and awesome and Kellen Moore's offense, I mean, I think you can see this happen. So, you know, I haven't really been drafting Big Mike too much. I haven't really been avoiding him, taking him when he slides a little bit. But, you know, I think I am going to have to take a second to think about the Chargers offense and and maybe just making sure that when I have uh, ADP appropriate opportunities to invest that I don't shy away from it because, you know, that off, you know, with Justin Herbert's talent, um, getting a more talented, uh, more aggressive OC in there and the investments that they made in the offense, you know, it's really not hard to, and plus, plus the division they play in and the amount right. of points they're going to have to score. You know, if Austin Eckler were to 
not lead the league or be near the the uh, lead in the league with his touchdown and a lot of those going more uh, through the air to the receivers instead. I mean, you could certainly see the Chargers being one of those squads that has like, you know, two top 15 wide receivers and another one in the top 30. We've seen that happen a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is good. I'm glad to see Mike Williams here. It's not a name I would have expected necessarily uh, before the episode. Sure. And just one thing to add there, too. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but uh, you could kind of have an offsetting of Quinton Johnson kind of emerging with Keenan Allen declining. Um, that's not off the table. I don't think it's going to happen. And then the other reason that Williams also does become interesting, given where we're seeing him at ADP from a best ball perspective is Justin Herbert falls in the range of quarterbacks that I am going to have on a lot of my teams. Uh, so it becomes a nice stacking option, uh, as well. The, The other thing that we can do from this, um, is, if you're not a Mike Williams believer, or maybe you're just like, you know, whatever, he's been healthier, but he still feels risky to you as a, as an injury play. You know, if you, if you want to just say, all right, well, Quentin Johnson's going to be better or Williams is going to get hurt, you know, seeing this type of ceilings for, you know, if we just call this chargers wide receiver two slash deep threat on chargers team, Mm -hmm then it shows that the potential explosive upside of a, a player in the Chargers offense available much later uh, than Williams. So you don't, sure. don't like that fourth round ADP on Williams. You know, you can wait a, a couple more rounds and, and, and get Johnston and, and get a you know, potentially similar skill set there. So uh, those are the kind of surprising high ceiling guys, Dave. There's a couple lower than expected ceiling players that I want to hit. It's actually a trio of year two guys. Mm-hmm. So my first question is going to be, you know, maybe what's driving that. Maybe it's just the fact that there's only one year in the sample and, you yep. know, that keeps it weaker. Uh, but there could be some other things. But Chris Olave, uh, Chris Olave being drafted super aggressively, right? Um, you know, he's he's going right now at 19.6 over the last two weeks in best ball ADP. That's good for wide receiver 12. When we look at him from a ceiling perspective, he's coming in at wide receiver 25. What's driving that? Yeah, so there's a a couple of things going on here. Um, The first being, if you look at his 2022 stat line, um, it's pretty impressive in a couple of key things. Uh, Eight targets per game, 70 yards, 109 air yards. Super good in terms of yards after the catch. As a result of this, there are just not that many year one players or early career players that have put up numbers like that. So if you are doing an exercise where you have an element of putting a player in the context of their career, you have a smaller group of players from which you can pull. So I do think that this is a case where he's being limited to some extent via that. Um, As a result of that, Curtis, I think that when I look at this distribution, um, I see kind of like two peaks. You have one peak that occurs around eight points per game. You have another peak that occurs at 15 points per game. So you almost have like a bimodal distribution here, meaning that there's more or less two sections to it. You have two peaks, a valley in between. I'm more inclined to say that it's okay to kind of contextualize him on the right side of that distribution because I don't think, uh, as I said earlier, that there are enough uh, players in the pool here 
when you're looking at a guy like Olave for it to give you an accurate representation of what you could see. Now, at the same time, I do think it would be fair, though, to push back and say, well, perhaps this valuation of wide receiver 12 is a little too rich. Or for that for some people, maybe him going at wide receiver 12 is more than they're willing to stomach, uh, depending on what approach they're kind of employing. But I still think that the upside that you could get from him in the player that he is, uh, I think it's worth it going for him around wide receiver 12, because I think when you don't go for these young guys at the spots like that, that's where you're playing too conservative. And you just, oh, oh, you know, I don't think that is a good long-term strategy to being successful. Yeah, especially, and I, I sort of is uh, matches performance year in plus one. Uh, so I'm looking specifically at those players that you're referencing now that in the sample and, you know, the, the highest, the highest output that we see is Justin Jefferson's 2021, like his, his first huge season. Right. Yep. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I don't know if Olave has Jefferson level uh, breakout in him or not, but uh, his new quarterback certainly is a quarterback that has shown he's willing to fixate on his top target. Uh, we've seen that um, time and time again throughout his career, not even necessarily at the same position when, you know, when Darren Waller was the clear best target, he was, you know, who drove the offense. I think Carr has eyes for whoever the top guy is. And, you know, if he decides to lock in on Alave, you certainly could see him have 160, 170 targets. I don't think that's unreasonable. So I think, you know, talking through this and layering in the context is important, especially with these year two guys. I think that was um, great feedback from you there. Two of the other year two guys with lower than expected ceilings and, and maybe some of the rationale is the same. Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Yeah, man, I was hoping I would see Garrett Wilson just, you know, skyrocketed toward the top of the listing. Uh, if you look at his overall distribution, uh, probably not as exciting as, my, as most people might think. Now, one of the things that's going to stand out is he did have a couple of matches who just kind of disappeared uh, or had bad circumstances in their year N plus one. But the larger referendum on Wilson is that he did not have any of his 50 matches go for more than 20 points per game. Now, I'm not sure if this is just because when you look at a player that's 183, um, you know, scores 0.2 touchdowns per game is pretty good, you know, decent with yak, if you will. Um, I'm just not sure if this is a profile and I guess what we're finding when you look at this, this is a profile of players that perhaps just don't have as much upside as we would like to think. And to be all, well, I shouldn't say as we'd like to think I've always like my whole thesis with Wilson entering the league was this just felt like a really good guy that you knew was going to be able to contribute that you knew would be consistent, but probably didn't have the upside of somebody like a Traylon Burks. He didn't look to me like a guy that was going to be going yeah. over 20 points yeah. per game. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing reflected here, given the type of player that he is and those types of players get pulled into his match. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these uh, N plus one matches, I mean, super solid seasons, but just slightly short of elite. Um, and certainly wouldn't be league winning considering his 13.4 ADP right right now. Um, so, you know, Emmanuel Sanders at 18.9, his 2014, se- uh, 2014 season with Peyton Manning. Um, T.Y. Hilton's 2014. Um, we've got uh, also kind of similar player, you know, Brandon Cook's uh, 16 point season back in, in 2015 for. New Orleans. So, I mean, I think those are kind of reasonable types of players uh, to compare to Garrett Wilson uh, versus some of the others that are showing up uh, on his list. So, you know, again, you know, this thing doesn't know that Aaron Rodgers is in town, hmm. you know, and, and it, it can't, you know, imagine like we could, you know, what his rookie year, year would have even looked like if he didn't have all those games with Zach Wilson and he had a full season with the non Wilson Franken QB and, and what that, stat line would have looked like. I mean, we've spent a lot of time on that uh, all across the industry. So, you know, I, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, man. I'm um, thinking about w- where that upside landed for Olave versus um, Wilson. The last guy that I mentioned, the second, um, you know, year two guy and, and definitely the worst quarterback situation out of the three uh, Drake London. Yeah, and this one also was pretty interesting to me because London is a player that I have been drafting a decent amount because it feels like you do have this potential for a really big uh, incoming season. A couple of things that uh, do not help his projection here, if you're just looking from an average perspective, only comes out when you average his matches to around three and a half receptions per game, does get 2.27 touchdowns, per game, but an average PPR of just around 10 points. He does have his highest concentration of matches coming around 10 points, stepping progressively downward on the left side down to, you know, pretty much zero points per game Uh, does not have any matches get to 20, but does get uh, six of his matches to around 15 points. But yeah, so the upside for him ends up coming out to around 16.2 when you take this this full distribution into it, you look at some of the players that he gets matched with. Uh, it's that that feels like a number that makes sense. Now, 
I do think, though, Curtis, that when you look at the players that get pulled in, you can see that perhaps the weak quarterback play, if it truly is holding him back from thinking what, holding him back from being what we think he could be, given the talent we believe he possesses, then you do not have enough guys in here that really match that talent level. You do have DeAndre Hopkins, you have T. Higgins, DK Metcalf, but there's a lot of players that I think many would argue just aren't as good. You know, like you got like guys like Jarrett Boinkin, Aaron Dobson, Alan Hearns, Marlon Brown, Rod Streeter, not players that we really think, you know, fall into that grouping. Yeah. So I think this might be another case where because we only have, you know, a small context in which it can look at and one that's probably diluting the actual uh, picture of this player. You know, we just can't get him to where you might think he could go again. That might mean that it is a reason to kind of raise a red flag, but with these younger guys, I think that um, I would not be focusing so much on just letting the output of this tool paint my entire picture of what I'm, of why or how I'm going to be drafting these players. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's good counsel. I mean, he's coming at wide receiver 36 uh, with this ceiling projection here. Um, and another, I guess an admirable, admirable uh, or honorable mention or dishonorable mention, maybe more appropriately, another year two guy. And you just mentioned him, Traylon Burks, wide receiver 48 in ceiling um, in, in the tool. So, um, I think, you know, that's all good uh, context layer in there, Dave, on some of the year two guys. A couple um, quick comments on some high floor yeah. players. So we opened the episode by talking about uh, Chris Godwin. And we highlighted his, you know, very affordable underdog ADP right now and his kind of surprising ceiling of wide receiver 10 uh, in the range of outcomes app. We've got Chris Godwin as a high floor guy now showing up here too, though. Um, wide receiver three, six, wide receiver nine and in, in floor as well. So I think we, I mean, we just got to spend another minute because you're sure. right. I mean, we we really did just cast off the the Tampa Bay wide receivers. We did both say at that time that we preferred Godwin to Evans um, when they had that similar ADP. So I'll give us a small victory there, but man. You know, with wide receiver 29 ADP, do, do we feel like maybe we need to adjust just a little bit with him showing up as a low-end wide receiver one, no matter how you slice his range of outcomes? Yeah, maybe we do need to adjust a little bit. Because um, as I talked about, this is a very concentrated range of outcomes. And it's yeah. it's concentrated in such a solid area that even though he does not have uh, as many high-end matches as players that might fall beneath him in historical distribution scores. It's just such a nice, consistent range that he actually comes in looking like a clear-cut wide receiver one from a fantasy perspective uh, in 2023. The floor is just really, really good. You know, as I mentioned, there's only... Uh, there's only three players in this sample or in this his matches that failed to approximate 10 points. And there's such a high percentage. I, I actually, maybe I should build this in at some point, but it feels like it, like honestly, like more than 50% is going between 15 to 17 points. So even if you don't get that ceiling, you can feel pretty good that there's just a nice probability that you're getting a great season 
uh, from a player that now is being well-priced be behind where he should be, uh, even if he approximates this. Yeah, I'm looking at our underdog best ball rankings on the site uh, that, that Sean and I think Blair has a, a set in there too right now uh, informing this. And, and Godwin's wide receiver 18 there. Um, so they've got him, you know, a little bit ahead, uh, actually healthily ahead of, of where he's coming in in you know, positional ADP on underdog right now. So 18 in the rankings versus 29 in ADP. Uh, yeah, I think the range of outcomes tool kind of supports that view. If you want to say, all right, Hey, this tool's probably more assuming Tom Brady's still there. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, that it feels like, you know, Hey, this is appropriately risk rated. You're moving them down, you know, ha- you know, basically an entire positional tier, uh, but still well ahead of ADP. Two other guys that we haven't talked about from a high floor perspective, um, actually Debo Samuel and Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, not really players we've spent a ton of time talking about um, this offseason. Uh, just to highlight the situations, you know, in San Francisco, still a little bit of uncertainty about what's going to be going on with the quarterback uh, situation there. I think that is probably the biggest question mark. And then just a reminder of maybe just how injured Debo was, um, you know, for a, a big portion of the year last year, but he did still show flashes of being dominant. Uh, in his short stretches where he was really healthy. And then with DeAndre Hopkins out of Arizona now, um, and Kyler Murray reportedly ahead of schedule in his ACL uh, recovery, you know, perhaps Hollywood has a chance to get back to that kind of early season dominance we saw in the first six weeks of 2022. Both of these players, I think, um, pretty, you know, pretty interesting to hit on here. Yes, definitely. So Debo... Uh, it's kind of fun when you look at some of the players that he does get comped with. Uh, you see guys like Golden Tate in there. You see some Jarvis Landry, some Randall Cobb. Now, the piece that we talked about heading into last year that's probably going to continue to be missing is what he was showed that he could do as a rusher now, of course, with CMC there. I think that if you look into this the quarterback situation right now, it feels like the best bet is that Brock Purdy is going to be the guy there. Um, 2022 stat line for Debo, just to remind people, did have eight targets a game, four and a half receptions, 51 yards, 0.2 touchdowns, just 34 air yards a game though, uh, but was very good in terms of yards after the catch. If you look at his distribution, one of the good takeaways that you have here is there's not that many players that failed to get to 10 points and kind of similar to what we were talking about with Godwin has a very nice condensed uh, distribution here. So you only have a handful of guys going over 20 points, but you have such an overwhelming majority of his distribution going between 10 and 20 and really sandwiched somewhere between 13 to 15 points that you can feel decent kind of knowing what to expect from him. Now, this probably isn't, uh, you know, as exciting as some would hope for. But as you mentioned, I think there's reason to believe that Debo could continue to improve over what he did last year. And if you do look at some of the players that get pulled in that did improve, there's some that saw pretty significant improvement. In fact, most of the players that did 
increased their point totals in the year N plus one did so by around five or more points per game. So the precedent is kind of there that if Debo is able to turn things around this year, there's a likelihood he turns them around in a pretty significant way. You're, you're muted. I think. What about Hollywood? Yes. Yes. I forgot about Hollywood. How dare I forget about one of favorite players of Curtis's. Um, that's funny. I started typing in Hollywood Brown. All right, let's go here. Marquise Brown. So his range of outcomes projection comes out to, uh, seven targets, four and a half receptions, 60 yards, 0.33 touchdowns per game actually ends up, I think coming in with a slightly lower average per game than Debo. But one of the encouraging things is if you do look at the players that tended to put up a better season in their year N plus one, Hollywood has one of the better charts that you're going to see in that measure uh, for reasons we've talked about before, where, you know, most good players tend to um, have a, have a poor graph here uh, because it's hard for players to, well, I'm struggling here to sustain success. Anyway, if you look at the distribution, um, not a lot of players going underneath 10, but not that many going over 15. So he's very much concentrated between 10 to 15. If you look at his matching players, now keep in mind in 2022, he was at nine targets a game, six receptions, 64 yards, uh, 0.3 touchdowns per game. You pull in a lot of T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, Brandon Cook's type seasons yep. so it's that, these, same, uh, it's that Garrett Wilson cohort again yeah exactly so you get a lot of guys that were consistent over their career were always very relevant but never really hit that elite type of status as a result of not pulling in many of these guys that hit that that is going to put him in a position where we're not going to see that really high ceiling but again we do get some of those players that always provided a nice floor I mean I'm just kind of cross-checking with the game splits app here a little bit. If you look at the eight games that he played with Kyler Murray last year, he averaged 15.94 PPR um, on the strength of 10 targets a game, 6.62 receptions a game. So if we want to adjust that for half PPR here, um, you know, we take a point and a half off of that, you know, he would have been at 14.5. And you said, you know, the distribution between 10 and 15, I think, you know, the more games we get with Kyler, the more, uh, optimistic we could potentially feel about him being toward the top end of that, um, yep. you know, that, that kind of uh, uh, sweet spot of his um, range of outcomes for this year. I mean, the four non-Kyler Murray games, um, and obviously then, you know, the injury game being one of those for, for Marquise Brown, 7.12 PPR. So that's kind of weighing things down. Um, and, you know, it, it is just four games out of his, uh, to your sample, but you know, it is, it is some, you know, dead weight in there that I think, you know, contextually we can kind of throw out. Sure. So I, I would say that, uh, Hollywood is a player. I feel very comfortable taking where he is going. Uh, and I think there's definitely some, some upside, uh, even just from the standpoint of if he doesn't put up these ridiculous games here and there, which it feels like there's always a potential for, um, just having a consistent distribution like that, that you know what you're going to get, puts you in a position. Um, I've kind of lost track of my thought here. I like Hollywood. 
Yeah, that's fair. He's going wide receiver 33, Dave. Uh, yep. He's going in the early to mid sixth round over the last two weeks on underdog. So he's actually going um, well after, uh, you know, he's going well after a lot of the players that we've talked about, well after Drake London, well, well after all those year two guys that we talked about, well after Debo Samuel, who we just talked about. And he's even going, you know, four positional ADP slots below Chris Godwin. So really, I think that the cheapest player um, with some, you know, maybe a little bit more appeal than than people would have thought uh, at this time, especially when you think about, you know, hey, now that we know that he's the the wide receiver one in that offense, we're not worried about DeAndre Hopkins reprising his role and, and causing issues there. I think, you know, you can look at him a little bit different than, you know, maybe Brandon Ayuk or even Jackson Smith uh, and Jigba or Michael Pittman, a couple of these players going in front of him. I mean, you know, really arguably Marquise Brown is not in much of a different situation than DJ Moore, right? I mean, you know, it's a mobile quarterback, you know, except he has a more of a relationship with them. Um, and, you know, the question is how healthy will Murray be, not how good will that battery be? Whereas, you know, DJ Moore and Justin Fields, the question is how good will that battery be? Um, and he's going, you know, a full round uh, above Hollywood. So I think all that is uh, interesting to keep in mind. Dave, man, I got I to gotta give a hand to you. Thank you for getting um, these tools populated this week. It's just, you know, yet another strength in the, you know, really feather in our cap of, of the great tools that we have on the site. If you listen to the episode and you're like, man, range of outcomes is a cool way to approach you know, my personal rankings or my you know, targets in these drafts right now, check it out at rotaviz.com. And again, if you want to use uh, promo code underdog, you can get 50% off a one month subscription. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.